Okay, so welcome back to the Ballymontos Recovery Podcast. Again, this month is Recovery Month and we have a host of treatment centres and rehab clinics and day programmes and stabilisation programmes coming in to talk about their service, to let people know what is going on in their service so that it might break down some type of barriers for them or might give them some type of information to try and, I suppose, not be as anxious as they might be going into... um, a service. So today we're blessed to have Keith Cassidy in from Smartmore Castle, which is a, a a treatment and rehab clinic privately run, and it's tackles addiction, gambling, and also does a detox as well. So I'm going to let Keith talk a little bit about himself, and then maybe go into a little bit about Smartmore and talking about Smartmore and how you start working there. So, um, thanks for coming in today, Keith. It's a pleasure to meet you, and uh, yeah, sure, it's all yours now. Hi Jimmy, thanks very much. It is a real privilege to contribute to to this podcast uh, for Recovery Month. I think Recovery Month is a it's a global it's a global celebration of recovery and putting recovery on the map for everybody. So anything I can do personally, because I'm in recovery from alcoholism, and then as a representative of Smartmore is a is a privilege to to contribute to. It. So well done in in putting this out. I think it's a great it's a it's a great way of getting the message out. Um, let me start a little bit maybe about myself. Yeah. Um, I'm personally in recovery. Um, I worked it out. I think it's 25 or 26 years. Well done. Uh, I, don't, I, don't put, uh, I don't put a date on it. All I tell people is I, I, I'm in recovery that long. Bill Clinton was the president still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill's out of office a while, isn't he? <laughs> so he's well gone. Yeah, and yeah. thankfully my recovery hasn't completely gone. Although I, I've challenged it a little bit in terms of not doing the right things. I haven't had a drink since then. Good man. Um, so I suppose that's really kind of my motivation for the job I do today. Um, I was quite young when I got it. I was 22. So now I've given away my age as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I was lucky to get it young. Yeah. But um, my own personal journey is, I, I know by the age of 19, I had presented to the General Services Office of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I knew I had a problem, even by the age of 19, but wasn't quite ready to stop or hear the message. So... What I needed really by the age of 22 was a treatment centre yeah. uh, to help me. So I ended up in residential treatment down the country for a 28-day programme. And that was the game changer for me. And I haven't had a drink since. Um, what I learned down there really was how to engage in the supports of 12-step yeah. programmes and how to look after myself. And, and I learned about, I, I called it, I was in college at the time. And I remember leaving on my last day and they did a little goodbye thing. And I remember I went, there's no college I could end up back in that would teach me more about life than here mm-hmm. in terms of those 30 days or 28 days. And it was really an education in addiction. As yeah. much as it was an education about me and my addiction and the effects my addiction had on me and the effects my addiction had on other people. Uh, so I suppose I took that and, and ran with it and ran with the supports that were available to me. And I, then I always, I always talk about how I did it the wrong way. So yeah. I challenged everything I was taught then, you know, because I'm a very stubborn person and sometimes I don't really listen and I have to learn the hard way. I've never ended up having a drink, but I've certainly, I would say, gambled. Yeah. And I use that word in a loose way rather than, you know, uh, official. I gambled with my recovery in terms of not engaging in support and not looking after myself, but yeah. never, having, um, never having to actually pick up again. So, through, and one of those gambles is I ended up in the hospitality industry. So okay. as a recovering alcoholic, I ended up running bars. So okay. that was a nice risk to do. Um, and I, I survived that. Uh, but all the way through, I kind of always wanted to be motivated to be a therapist. Yeah. What I saw down in treatment was, I was looking at the therapist and I went, that's a good job. 
But I knew I was a little bit too young and I knew I hadn't had the experience of recovery just yet. So I, hadn't, yeah. I knew I had to wait. So kind of by, by my early 30s, I started to train to be a therapist. And I, because of my own experience and my own very positive experience in treatment, I kind of had an idea that where I wanted to work was the residential treatment. So I was very lucky to get a start in a, a treatment centre in Navin called Tabor House and um, I ended up as the manager there for a number of years and then I transferred and became the clinic manager of Smarmore Castle. So um, maybe I'll talk a little bit about then what we do in Smarmore. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks very much. And just to say thanks very much for sharing that with us as well because, uh, you know, it's a a really positive story as well and the listeners will be grateful to hear that do you know what I mean that you know it can be done and that you've moved on to better things so thanks very much for sharing that with us no problem I mean sometimes that's even as a therapist and as a qualified therapist sometimes that's the best message I have you know all mm. the book learning all of the education in the world doesn't uh, do, doesn't trump you know the fact that you know there's hope Mm, yeah. can, this can be done yeah and there's a better life out there yeah and I think that's what this podcast breeds is hope for people you know yeah. so yeah thanks very much yeah so and that comes in many different forms and I see that every day in Smarmore yeah you know uh, I suppose we're lucky in Smarmore we're quite large we're heading to 35 bed capacity as a treatment centre that's quite large in terms yeah. of the, the model that we work with we're 12 step what's known as traditionally Minnesota model yeah Essentially, all that means is that the, the bedrock of the programme is based on 12 steps and preparing people for the 12 steps. So similar to my own journey in, yeah. in treatment back in the 90s. Um, what we're able to do, though, and what, what, what we're very privileged to be able to do is detox and offer a detox service. So in other words, um, people don't have to be tested clean to come through the doors of Smarmore. We can, we can provide a detox service for them. And, you know, that's a fact of life. You know, addiction is a, is a formidable enemy out there and it can be hard to put down and it can be hard to stay stopped for even a matter of a couple of weeks in order yeah. to get into treatment so Smarmore offers a service where people can come in yeah. and we can look after that with them okay, yeah. and do that in a very safe medically managed way um, and our programme is standard 28 days but another thing is that there's always options to extend that there's no requirement to leave at the end of 28 days and if, if people feel that they need a little bit more particularly because they've gone through a heavy detox we can talk to them about uh, staying with us a little bit longer if they feel they need that. So we can run all the way up to 10 or 12 weeks, actually, in terms of residential treatment, if Very somebody good. requires that. Um, so will, will I talk a little bit maybe about what we do in terms yeah, of our approach? Some, some of the daily um, yeah. things that might go on, just to break that down yeah. a little bit. Um, um, so, yeah, I suppose uh, everybody kind of gets up a little bit early, you know, because I think the first step in recovery is just gaining a little bit more structure yeah and a little bit more of a of an organization to the day so that starts with getting up early and having breakfast and then um moving into every morning there's a mindfulness or meditation yeah with the therapist and after that then there's a group therapy then there's free time um that either people will see their therapist because they get to see their therapist twice a week in terms of an intensive one-to-one or else they can engage in the gym activities or we have a swimming pool as well. Yeah. So sometimes there's stuff on in there. I was um, on the website and I seen it. it looks really amazing, yeah. The facilities look fabulous. Like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fabulous. It is fabulous. I'm not going to in any way kind of uh, be humble about it. It's an amazing facility because it offers a huge array of things for people to try out. Yeah. And I suppose I always say our job in treatment is to throw everything at somebody and see what works for them. Yeah. So some people will 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 find that gym fitness uh, will be a huge asp- uh, aspect of the recovery journey. Yeah. 
other people then we'll be able to offer them equine therapy so you know just that work with animals and work with animals can be something that people can really engage with same as the mindfulness yeah, yeah. yeah meditation very gardening as well and art very That's therapeutic right. yeah. yeah yeah so we have horticultural therapy and we have um, art therapy we have writing Brilliant. therapy we're also uh, just recently expanded into catering so if people have come to us who have a little bit of a deficit around cooking skills and basic uh, the chef will actually take them in and, and, and teach them some, some basic life skills, skills yeah, some life skills good. around that too, yeah. you know. So. so important. Really is important because self-care starts with having a good breakfast, you yeah, know. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, hopefully getting to a meeting right after that. Yeah. <laughs> but it starts with a good breakfast. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so our job is to, is to really, you know, not only is it all about the 12 steps, but it's that holistic approach yeah. in terms of offering a suite of uh, of therapies to people that that some some you know they will that not all will fit and not all will work for everybody but hopefully within that they'll discover something yeah. that really connects with them. We also offer because a lot of people come with some trauma issues or some body issues, so we offer holistic um, massage therapy sometimes for somebody, or we would do um, we're we're starting in a new series of of um, what is the one. Uh, Reiki, is it? Reiki, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I, so was, I, was, I was on you, the tip, I knew it was there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's starting soon. So so that's kind of the whole kind of suite of therapies. Um, but I will say this, about any treatment centre, the most important therapy is the community. Yeah. That our job is actually to maintain a healthy, safe, recovery-orientated community because most of the work happens in, in the garden when they're walking around, when people are walking around having a chance. Yeah. Most of the work happens within the coffee room. And a lot of the work happens there where, where all of a sudden, you know, that sense of community, that sense of, you know, a shared experience of recovery. Where peers are helping peers, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And learning to get that support from peers, but also learning to give that support to other peers. Yeah. And that's a real game changer, you know. So yeah. I don't overemphasize the, the work in terms of what the community can do and a good community can do. So mm. a, lot of, a lot of what we focus on is around there. And you said just before that, that you said 35 be, um, bed capacity. Yeah. Would that be full all the time? Yeah. 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 yeah um, I mean, it, it, it peaks and troughs, but generally I would say that we, we kind of work to full capacity. Yeah. Um, now we're moving from 30, which yeah. is full capacity, and then we've extended to 35. Very good. So, yeah, that's, that's a huge demand. Uh, that's because we have a and range is that of because of the demand? Is that why you went? You just had to extend, yeah? Yeah. 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 I hate waiting lists, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Unfortunately, they're, they're, they're unavoidable at times, yeah. but I hate them. Yeah. And the reason I hate them is because my own journey is I've often been committed, you know, yeah. to recovery. But because, I, you know, I couldn't get the help I needed when I needed it, or yeah. I couldn't access the help I needed it when I needed it, the addiction grew legs again and convinced me, maybe not this time, maybe I'll be okay doing it on my own, maybe I'll be okay, maybe yeah. it wasn't that bad, maybe, you know, so that voice in my head. Yeah. So sometimes we, our job is to be there when the time is right, because yeah. timing is everything really, yeah. you know. Yeah. And sometimes it also is our job to to meet people and say, well, actually, maybe the timing isn't quite right at the moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe 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 you should do a little bit more work out in the community before you come to us and be a bit more ready for what what this is about, because... Although it sounds lovely with horses, swimming pools, gyms and therapies, it's pretty hard, you know, yeah. addiction recovery, addiction treatment can still be work a very... To be done. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. It goes to places. Examining that, yourself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, about the referral process, What? how does that work? Um, yeah. And, like, what type of funding is necessary? Because it is a private clinic, isn't it? Yeah. So if you could just kind of yeah. elaborate on that. Yeah, so the background is uh, Smarmor is part of a large organisation of uh, a couple in the 1980s founded a treatment centre in Scotland on the back of their own recovery. Um, so they're very committed to it. So it's a family business. 
and they're very because they both have roots in Ireland. They wanted to open one in Ireland, so that's how Smarmor came about. So it's a family business, uh, but very much committed to to offering the best best service possible in terms of recovery. So the referral process can be self-referral okay. um, in terms of pick up the phone and talk to us and yeah. we see how we can help. Yeah. And that's the most easiest way. Um, that often starts with that. You know. Now, it really depends on what the funding stream is then mm. because there's many different ways to kind of fund a treatment in Smarmer. There can be a private way in terms of paying, yeah. paying us directly. Although there's, you know, that's not a majority of people in Smarmer don't do that. Yeah. We have insurance coverage and then HSE purchase an awful lot of beds off us. So if, if somebody needs to access us to insurance, then their next step will be after talking to us. It's just to confirm that the insurance cover is in place for them so that they have that. Yeah. Generally, that's not an issue. They've done that work. And then if, if they're looking for some HSE funding, it really comes, the referral has to come through their key worker. Or yeah. their, their, their and worker that's a tier four, is it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so under national beds. And then we also have some some uh, agreements in, in terms of Dublin as well. Then okay. we... we Double, uh, so some areas buy beds off us yeah. directly. So, but all of those can only be accessed. We can't allocate a bed to somebody who uh, it always has to be accessed in terms mm-hmm. of the services that people are with, and then the the caseworker or key worker that they work with then accesses through that system. I was reading a brochure and um, it's a lovely brochure and. You know, sometimes I can just think small and I think like it's only like people in Ireland going, but there's actually people travelling from abroad to, to use our service, isn't there? Yeah, um, uh, that's right. We have uh, an office in Stockholm yeah. and we have offices all across the Netherlands as well. Yeah. Uh, so they're both, you know, sources of, of referral for us and people can come in and fly in. So even next week alone, we've got three international admissions. And that community that you talk about, that's wonderful. It's not only just a local community, it's like... Yep. global community really and truly isn't it and getting that experience of people from other um, nationalities coming and telling the story and the yep. journey yeah? and learning from them it's amazing to see that and as I say it's really international flavour so a lot of Europeans London we have an office in London that can refer in and then we have American soldiers that come in sometimes because okay. we have a contract with the military uh, bases in Europe for, for their personnel and you know, the differences melt away very quickly. Mm. And you see that when they come into the community that uh, it's it's just one community of recovery orientation, yeah. you know, and the commonalities are much more present yeah. as opposed to what the differences are. Of course, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, And we see that even in just in terms of the whole suite of socioeconomic people who are in, in yeah. Smarmor, you know, it, yeah. it, there is no differences. You yeah. know, we don't, you know, nobody, nobody stands They don't out, look you know? at status. You know, they're not, recovery doesn't look at status. They're just people in recovery, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It can be anybody in there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that's really the fer- referral pathway. And I always say, if anyone's interested in coming to treatment, just ring us and we'll talk you through the process. Even if it, you know, even if you're looking for HSE funding, we can certainly talk you through mm. what might, what you may need to, ha- to do to, to, to get to that, you know? And you know, um, when you're entering for the first time, let's say, um, is there a process in terms of Obviously, there's people there who are there longer, so is there kind of a bedding in process? Could you speak yeah. a little bit about that and kind of? Yeah, this it's funny you should mention that because this was one of the gifts that COVID COVID didn't give us many gifts, but it gave us this one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, really difficult, but what we ended up having to do during COVID was isolate people who came in, okay, to make sure that they weren't coming in with COVID, um, on 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 you know undiagnosed colds yeah, yeah and affecting everyone exactly yeah. so they had to kind of stay everybody who admitted in the first week had to stay together yeah and and stay in it what's known as an admission bubble so what we found actually was that they did very well together in that phase okay um and what we did was we reduced down the group time we reduced down the group activities yeah. and really integrated people into 
being in a group therapy, learning to give feedback, learning to receive feedback, learning to be in a community. So obviously, as COVID became less and less of an issue, we didn't have to isolate them physically, but yeah. we kept that system where everybody was in an admission group. So ev- everyone who's admitted in week one stays in the same group therapy yeah. and they work at a level that's less intense, but much more of a, an educational side of things in terms of teaching people how to get the most out of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then we have a buddy system where a senior resident or a senior patient would guide them through the process and show them around. Very good. And what we have is amazing, which is recovery advocates. Yeah. Uh, on the team and recovery advocates are people who are in long-term recovery never you know and motivated to helping people and what they have then is that ability to connect with them that us as therapists or nurses or doctors can't have which is you know on a peer-to-peer basis but as a member of the staff in Smarmo so that and we really the feedback is that they are the game changer really Mm. in terms of what people can connect with because that's the bridge between us the, the, the clinical team and yeah. the community and also it's the bridge between being in treatment and yeah. the community as well because recovery advocates have a huge level of contacts out there that can help people and refer them out to to people who are in good recovery oh, that's very good yeah that's a great system um so the program you talked about how long it was it's 28 days but it can be extended yeah um what are some of the kind of governing rules um like smoking mobile phones family visits stuff like that phone calls what what what's the kind of um, criteria around that okay so everybody who's admitted is is searched and all their bagging is searched just just to make sure everything is a safe environment and uh, cigarettes we allowed obviously we're still not progressive enough to have a smoke free environment yeah. I don't think we're going to get there no. in my time. <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah smoking is allowed but um, not roll up cigarettes Okay. we find that what that is is it's just a trigger really for people who have who have um, who have a history of that you know in terms yeah, yeah. of weed usage and stuff like that so yeah. it's real cigarettes in sealed boxes are no problem allowed and then we can we have a system where we access the local shop in order okay, to top go. them up for cigarettes so nobody's yeah. going to run out Um. So that's you know, mobile phones are not allowed at all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's no access to mobile phones. They're they're locked away in a safe place for you. Yeah. Um, there is access to um, phone calls. So there's a public phone open three evenings a week. Yeah. Uh, so there's a there's a rotor where people can take turns having a call back home if they wanted to. You can also neg- negotiate with the therapist if they needed to call home for something. You know. So yeah. it's not that it's a, a blank if there was no. a bear there or exactly. something. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have a Zoom room where people can access Zoom meetings with family at the weekends because we actually another thing COVID did was obviously there was no family visits yeah and actually that hasn't been an issue we found that it's really beneficial not to have family visiting in in a very casual fashion in any way so families are allowed on site in order to participate in the treatment so family conferences with therapists and then they can stay around and have a chat afterwards yeah but as a general open day family day we found that not only does the people in treatment enjoy the break but actually the family also enjoy the break because Mm. we have developed a huge family program as well that they work on on the side online while the person is in treatment there's a whole family program every Wednesday their therapist meets all the family members delivers uh, a lecture and also has a kind of group chat with people so we're constantly in contact with the family and we're constantly working with them whether through a one-to-one or whether in terms of the family program but um, we found that actually there's been no demand for family visits. Yeah. As soon as this goes out, I'm sure it'll change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now possibly not. Like, cause, you know, I think it's a good idea to have that break for for both um, the substance user and obviously the family yeah. member too, because it can be uh, a well, well welcomed break. You know, um, sounds really good. Um, 
so the after you, you, there is an aftercare program, isn't it? I, I did read that, yeah. but also is there a graduation process when you come near the end? Like, is that how you live the process? Is it do you graduate there? Is there a graduation or a celebration even? There's a celebration. Uh, so, yeah, so what happens when you complete treatment is um, Smarmore Castle started in the 1300s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, bear with me now, I'm going to get into the history. <laughs> That's okay, we like history. <laughs> so, somewhere in 1910 or 1920s, they found a bag of coins. Okay. Okay. And those coins now are in the, I think they're with the National Museum. Okay, so but we've copied one of the sides of those coins. Okay, in terms of the design, yeah. and on the other side we've put our own logo, which is a butterfly. Yeah. Um, and what each of the patients do with their therapist is on the last day they strike their own coin, in a traditional way, the way they would have struck these coins when they were found. Yeah. Um, they strike their own coins. So that's that's the real symbolism of complete treatment is that they go down into a room and strike this coin with their therapist. And so is that sign? Strike, strike it is actually putting a piece of a piece of uh, metal, yeah, yeah, into a into a hand press yeah. and hitting a hammer down on it. Okay, and actually striking and it. Initials go on yeah, it, do you? Yeah. So, what the Smarmor logo goes on it, and the original design from what the coins that were found in Smarmor from the yeah. From from from, from so like years a, ago, like a trophy, like a yeah. medal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keepsake. Yeah, keepsake, to keep with them, yeah. Exactly. So that's their little piece to keep. Now they also don't leave us at that point. There's a whole aftercare system. Yeah, and we're in the process of redesigning that. Okay. Uh, so we have a really exciting development where we're opening an office in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, oh, very good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and that'll be focused really on continuing care initially, but also in terms of hopefully developing an outpatient service as well for people who can't commit to coming into treatment residentially. Yeah. So there's a number of things that they can do. So there's free services available and then there's paid services as they go into the system okay. all the way up to like um, identified programs of yeah. transitioning into communities and transitioning back into into life. So so we can we can sit with everybody who's leaving and tailor make an aftercare, continuing care program for them in terms of what meets their needs. Yeah. Um, and it really will depend on in terms of where they're at and uh, it's 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 a service where we will always work with someone in terms of where they're at in terms of finances as well because yeah. our commitment is ongoing and continuing the care with them so you, you know you're at, you're obviously as participants so would you then have other offices in their areas or would you find a suitable aftercare for them for when they leave and like yeah um both can happen yeah so within the referrals from our offices in Europe or across Europe, they will pick they will pick it up with them when they go back home. So we'll we'll link back to the offices before they leave, make sure that there's appointments set up and the whole aftercare system will will be focused in in terms of their their own city. Mm. If they're not in their own city, then they can still engage with us through Zoom. We're currently running about twelve aftercare groups, yeah. uh, in person in Smarmore, in Dublin city centre, and online. So there's always a, right. there's always a group. Online there's always as well, a, yeah. yeah. So so there's this whole hybrid suite of, of yeah. offerings that we can we can talk to somebody according to their needs. So mm. it's another thing that COVID gave us is this move to online so that geographically mm. we can still stay in contact and still 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 offer a service to people even if they're not in the same country or even the same sure. county. Yeah? yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah it, does, it, it does sound really good um, for the aftercare purpose. Um, what would you say to anyone contemplating rehab or recovery or treatment? On a personal level, I know how scary it is to contemplate uh, signing in and signing up to a treatment program. And I would say that don't listen to those voices telling you you're not going to be, you know, it's that bad. Mm. Um, you don't need to be there. 
that it doesn't matter where stage you are in terms of your addiction, if you're thinking about a treatment programme, if you're thinking about a residential treatment programme, then there's probably a good sign you need it. Yeah. Or if somebody has recommended it to you, then there's probably a good sign you need it. Nobody gets carried across the doors of these places. Everybody packs their own bags and walks across the door. Yeah. You know, this isn't an acute medical ward. None of them are. So first thing I'd say is don't listen to those voices and have an open mind to this. Mm. Um, it's normal to be terrified and frightened and it's normal to be resistant to it. But generally speaking, they reckon, and again, we work in the 12-step model and there's a lot of 12-step model treatment centres out there. And it's generally accepted that 28 days in residential treatment is equal to two years learning just going to meetings. Okay. That's generally the head start. It's not treatment in terms of a fix. It's it's an awareness program. It's a head start of about two years in terms of the level of work that people do in themselves within the treatment program. And that is a gift. And it's also a gift because it's a safe environment. Yes. So there's no such thing as addiction in isolation. That's my belief. There's no such thing that addiction is just there. Um, we may never find the underlying reasons. We, we'll never actually know for sure. But there's always issues that come in the door with the person who's suffering with addiction. Yeah. A residential treatment centre is a perfect way to look at that in a safe environment, yeah. in a contained environment. Everybody is 100% safe. There's 24-hour staff cover. There's 24-hour support. It's very hard to do some of that work in a one-to-one -one space in non-residential because as a therapist, even I work with people uh, in a one-to-one -one space and I have to aware that this person has to go home yeah. and see the kids. This person has to go home and get in the car and go home or whatever. So we can't do that level of work or we certainly have, can't do it at the same space, yeah. pace or intensity. So residential is a gift because it gives you that space. It gives you that time out. It gives you that... It gives you that recharge, recharge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that time for yourself and time to look at yourself yeah. and learn a new way and learn because um, the first word of the first step is we, mm. and that's really the essence of what residential is. It's bringing the isolation, the loneliness, the mm. desperation of addiction, and it's bringing it to being in a community and recovering as part of that we. It's recovering as part of a community and learning to live in a community and learn to be part of a recovery community. Yeah. That's really, really important, you know, in yeah. terms of being in residence. And great values and beliefs to have then to bring back out into your recovery journey, into your own community and try to establish relationships in the sub-recovery um, communities in your own community, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's also an opportunity, you know, in terms of the family to also get help because, yeah. you know, not not every family system is ideal for recovery. Yeah. You know, so any, any opportunity that they can embrace a little bit of help and a little bit of change and sometimes if one one person changes in the family system everything has to change yeah, yeah so yeah. you know oftentimes maybe it's the family member that has makes the first change yeah maybe that's the thing that gets someone into treatment yeah you know i'm not accepting this anymore i cannot live like this anymore yeah. whatever happens you know yeah. and that change is enough to change yeah. so so that follows on you know and um, because this is a recovery podcast, we ask um, everybody this question and it varies all the time and people, you know, it's kind of individualistic. Um, but what does recovery mean to you? OK, uh, simple. There's a short answer, a long answer. There's a short answer. For recovery for me is abstinence. Yeah. Um, and that's, I suppose, I, I can't move away from that and I never have moved away from that. Um, I can't. I, I, I could never manage a harm reduction program in terms of my own addiction. Yeah. I was all or nothing. That's yeah. the nature of me, you know. Yeah. So for me, the only way I could get recovery is to abstinence. But um, and, and I realise that it's not 
as easy as that, that sometimes it moves towards abstinence. So I think harm reduction can be a good move to that. I think there are many different community uh, services that can move to that space, you know. Um, but for me, the long-term goal of recovery should be abstinence. And yeah. that's when I'm working with somebody or even when I meet somebody, I'm always looking at that. Yeah. Now, I'm aware that not everybody can do that immediately. Yeah. But but I think I would never change that goal. Yeah. Um, why? Because, again, I'm an all or nothing. Mm. And I believe addiction sometimes can be that all or nothing, you know. Mm. And uh, I'm all in for recovery and I'm all in for abstinence. And I think the best harm reduction is not to drink. Yeah. For me, the best harm reduction is not to drink or take drugs. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's what it is for me. But also, it's an improvement in quality of life. Yeah. And that's really important, too. And that's one of the... You know, the Minnesota model started in the 1940s and they had two two uh, treatment goals, which is abstinence from mood-altering substances and improvement in quality of life. Yeah. And we can't actually, you know, we can't dismiss that either as something that's really important. We have to work towards that. Um, and uh, I remember, um, you know, we have to enjoy recovery. Yeah, Recovery is there to be enjoyed. And one of the questions I always ask people who leave in treatment or have left treatment is, what are you doing for fun? Yeah. What are you doing to enjoy this? Because if we're not enjoying it, and one of the best relapse techniques is to create a life that's fulfilling and enjoyable. Because then the desire and the motivation to stay in recovery is much stronger because there's something to fight for. It's much more important. Yeah, yeah something to fight for and something to stick in there for. Mm. Uh, you know, addiction comes back in many voices and many guises and we have to have a life that's worth fighting for and worth, worth holding on to. So I always say create recovery should be fun too. Mm. It that's definitely should be fun. Thanks very much, Keith. Um, I think you've covered everything in that. Um, but if there's anything you feel you might have left out, and you you know uh, you you feel you want to get across to um, the listeners, now is your time to say it. Um, Thanks, Jimmy. All I want to say is, it's possible. Yeah. I've never met a hopeless alcoholic or addict. Yeah. I've never met that person who's hopeless. And if you if you're willing to engage in recovery, pick the phone up. Even if you don't know who you're phoning, keep picking the phone up until you find the help that you need. There is help out there. And one of the things is, you know, this country isn't great sometimes at promoting where the help is. Mm. So fight for it. Fight for it in terms of picking the phone up. Call us in Smartmore, even if, you know, even if it's something that, you know, we can't help you with, we'll certainly head, head you in the right direction. There is loads of help and everybody who works in this field, I've never met anybody who wouldn't do anything to help somebody. It's not always about getting someone into our services. We're happy to help anybody who, who needs it and direct them in the right way. And I'd say it, whoever you are, go to your GP, go to your local services. But this is possible. There's many people out there who, who are in long-term recovery and living a very happy, fulfilling life, meaningful life. And um, don't give up on that dream. It's yeah. out there for you if you want it. Again, Keith, thanks very much for coming in today. And again, thanks for, you know, um, talking to our listeners about them pathways to recovery. And there is many pathways out there. Just, as you say, pick up the phone, stay consistent, um, believe in yourself and, get you know, get that message, you know, um, mm. get involved. Um, so thanks very much. Another um, pathway to recovery, Smarmore Castle. We will add a link to this at the end to say if anybody wants to get in touch with Smarmore, we will put the um, contact details at the end of the podcast. Um, so thanks very much, Keith. We really you. Appreciate, appreciate your time and thanks for coming in today. Again, we're treating the listeners to a wide variety of treatment services, both rehab treatment, both day program and stabilisation programs. And we had an interview with Keith Cassidy from Smarmore Castle. Um, and he talked about his treatment centre, which was really powerful. But we have an individual here from Ballymun 
Wayne Pepper, who a lot of people might know in his recovery journey. Um, and Wayne's going to talk to us about his experience in Smarmore Castle and how that has helped him in his recovery journey and his way through recovery. So first and foremost, Wayne, it's really nice to have you here. Um, me and you go way, 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 way back. So we way, know Jimmy. each other since we're kids. Yeah, playing footballer back in the days, yeah. yeah um, Tommy Moeller. Chased by the Popo. Hit your head out of the ground out there. Yeah. Walkman club member. Yeah, don't, don't remind me of that. I still have the scars to prove for that. <laughs> but it's good to have you in. And uh, it's great if you want to just say a little bit about yourself and a little bit about where you are in your recovery now, Wayne. Yeah, my name is Wayne. Um, I'm in recovery now over a year. We started going to a convention, a CA convention, and I've seen a lot of people with bleeding, hoping their eyes. And I wanted that. Yeah. I wanted to be able to speak on stage and to be able to like myself and dress properly and have a few bob and have a nice family yeah. um, and I walked on that I went into the red brick asked them to start bringing me down each week so she started on 60 two mil a week it was tedious sitting in the meetings every week it was uh, but I got great hope over yeah. I got really good hope over um, I would have put in for Smarmore I would have heard about Smarmore but I didn't think I would have made it yeah, I, I went over the app and access Gary, young Gary. Yeah, um, Gary from the app. Yeah, yeah. He asked me. Yeah, he asked me was I willing. He said, show up to a couple of appointments. We showing up ten minutes early, just showing that I'm ready to do this. But the time I got to see Gary, I was down to thirty mil. Um, when I first I rang Smarmore a year and a half ago and asked him what do I need, and we just said seventy and a half grand. I said I'm never gonna get there. Mm. But, Thanks to the drug task force and the recovery people in Ballymun, I got the funding in March last year, and I went in May, 16th of May, and came out to 14th of June, and it was amazing. Where am I? 14th of June this year, yeah? Yeah. And I know Smarmore is a total absence programme. So total you, absence. So you're total absence now yeah. since your, your, your time in Smarmore, yeah? Since the day I went in, they took me right down on me, they put me in a cold and detox they detox me off my tablet at six day, six day detox yeah. so within six days I was drug free yeah. smack and how is life treating you now since June? things are amazing Jimmy um, when I came into recovery I had a labour card I had no way of getting out of value money I had no money I had no hopes no aspirations no connection with my family um, with my father even with my kids and my partner um, I have four kids and a lovely home and four kids and a missus and she stuck by me through 25 years of it. Mm. So to to be come out drug free and to them there was a little bit of a challenge like the mm. kids are grown up they have their jobs now and they're like right daddy so I'm going to look after you and they're like mm. that we have work we do our own thing. Yeah. You just said there uh, your missus stuck by you and, and, and the family and stuff like that the kids and stuff any idea to why? Deep down, as always, I knew I was a good lad, Jimmy. Yeah. I was just making mistakes. Yeah. I was just out there scoring just to fill my own head. Um, I left me missus all the drugs, and she always kept hope that I'd come back. Yeah. And I always would be lying in hostels and I'd be thinking about, and I want to be home. And the minute I got home, the urge for the drug would take over, and I'd want to be out there again. Yeah. So it was a, a mindfuck, really. Um, I purposely asked that question. You know, I asked that, don't you? Because yeah. I know you. I know you a long time. I know you 
pre-drug use and post-drug use. Yeah. And you were always a gentleman, always a nice guy, and I wanted to, you know, make you understand or even hear that from me, but not only from me, and identify it with your family too, that you yeah. are a nice guy and that the behaviour from the substance was the problem, you know? Not you, not Wayne Pepper, you know? No, it was just... And I was... I, I was I just put that addict label on myself and yeah. ran with that and says, well, I'm an addict. I have to use, I have to go down to my own clinic every week. I have to take pills. I have to do this because I wasn't able to sit with emotions. Yeah. I wasn't able to be vulnerable. I wasn't able to go to a funeral without using. Um, anything bad that come up, I used. Anything good that come up, I used. Yeah. Anything in between, I used. Mm. So it's just constantly, mis- not mistakes, but just behaviours, bad behaviours I had, really bad. Yeah, thanks for that little insight into your into your your, your post treatment um, yeah. um, kind of substance use. But we want to get into where you're at now and smile more and how that worked out for you. Um, can you tell me what does recovery mean to you now today? Freedom, yeah. freedom from freedom from your own negative thinking. I'm able to pull things back now. Um, if something bad happens. I don't get sucked into a rabbit hole anymore thinking, right, I'm going to run out and you was out this. Like I lost my sister two years ago, two addiction. Sorry to Crack hear Crack cocaine. And mm. um, she's found the hustle on her own. I lost the mother then the year later. And in that I was stable on my way down and I didn't run out and use heroin, I didn't run out and use pills. And I knew there was something changing. Yeah. Slowly. So when I get to Smarmore then, uh, I thought it was going to be really... I thought it was going to be like swimming slides because you have a swimming pool, a gym and all that stuff and I thought I'm going to be in the gym every day, but I wasn't. I was down there doing the walk. They walk off the big book and they give you, a, you do your one, first, second and third step and a life story. Yeah, keep mentioning that, yeah. It was the life story that was the hardest part. Okay. Because you're reading out the six strangers that you're never going to see again, but you're pointing out your hardest stuff, yeah. the stuff we struggle with. Like Stuff leaving. nobody you want, nobody to hear. Nobody knew. No one about Limon probably they probably knew, but I didn't want to admit it. Yeah. But sitting in that treatment centre. An amazing place. It changed me thinking. Um I went in thinking that I only had a drug problem. I don't I struggle with me me mind. I struggle with emotions. I struggle with bad things happening. I realise now that trauma. Trauma. I got diagnosed with PTSD down there. Had okay. a therapist. She started the day I left, and I think I broke the woman. She left the day I left. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. She left, um, and I've had that a couple of times. Like therapist and started, and she left, and I had abandonment issues. I realised that. I have, yeah. Realised I have control issues. Mm. Um, but at least I'm aware of all this stuff. Yeah. So when stuff comes up, I'm like, we relax, deep breath. This is going to be all right. So smart out the first week in there, didn't sleep a wink, Jimmy. Okay. Came off all the drugs, sitting up in the community room, just getting me walked on, getting me walked on. Um, second week, we started Is that life. physical walk or is that like... Um, all the paperwork, like all the, the steps, like steps, force powerlessness and all that. Um, <clears throat> and it was keeping me occupied at night time. Yeah. So in the daytime, then we'd be doing, I'd done every group that could. Yeah. I threw myself into any group doing yoga I was doing swimming pool I was in the sun the steam room like anything I could do to fill me time rather than just sit around smoking mm-hmm. and get wrapped up in other people's stuff yeah. 
I went. I had the mindset of I go in on my own and come out on my own. Yeah. I still go back to Mandy and the kids. Yeah. So if I don't do the walk down here, I'm no use to nobody again. Yeah. So I put the walk in. Yeah. It was tough down there. And it was great having people that, come in. That walk you talk about is that self reflection, yeah. Yeah, just sitting down thinking, right, Wayne, you done some bad things, but deep down I'm a good lad. Yeah. I do the best 100%. I can. I do the best I can every day. Some days I didn't do as good as others. Some days I'd probably snap and, but I'd always turn around and say I didn't mean that. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, I come from a good home. I was raised really so. We would have turned out to be. We never sold drugs in my life. Now I hung around in gangs. I've always just been a lone wolf using. Yeah. Um, and when I did there, I had that mindset as well. I'd stick to yourself. But I ended up getting close to a few people in there, a few nice people. So it was great. And an old woman. Um, 70 yards just looking out the door bringing her around bringing her getting her a tea and all that so so in there I realised that you know you're not actually you're not a bad fucker Mm. you're actually a nice dude it's great that moment isn't it that moment of clarity when you actually say to yourself why have I been running from these emotions I'm actually a nice human being I don't want to wish any bad will on anybody nobody even people that would probably wrong me I turn around and say to them "It's, it's not them it's what they're doing that's behaviours yeah. it's mad isn't it it's crazy it's great yeah but it is it's so refreshing isn't it yeah, yeah. I'm like fucking the belly my body like I'm, I'm able to let things go <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah. really quickly but but that's a positive move for you because when we harbour that stuff it only in the long run impacts on us do you know but when we let stuff go and we come to terms with it yeah. it's 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 more beneficial for us more growth than it you know yeah look me hating someone else just eats me up they don't even know that I'm hating them yeah. and it just takes energy out of me and I'm like look at him he's going again look and look and look and rather than just turn around and say it is what it is yeah. he's sick yeah, it's his behaviours his behaviours yeah. and it's always my behaviours that will bring me back using <laughs> a few weeks ago I was getting very angry and I had to realise like you don't get a hold on this you're going to go back. You're going to try to take something to get the anger away. So I had to just talk about it with Katie and Star and I'm doing high comedy now. Um, Very good. Smarma has taught me a lot, a lot, which I thought was just like detox. This is just detox. Yeah. We do the walk and the grill. But in there, an amazing program. Like every day is built around something. We do meditation in the morning. Then we do group. We do two groups a day. Can you just be a little bit specific about what's like the groups about was that like group therapy is it yeah or it's group therapy you do your blocks and assets when you first come in like your blocks what will block you from recovery yeah then your assets of what will keep you in it what will keep you in it so the blocks will be your negative thinking people you hang around with <clears throat> the environment you're hanging around in then you, um, just all behaviours yeah. basically where you get triggered from basically where you get triggered and yeah. you're so, what, you, what you associate with you're using like yeah. drive music, rap music, all that stuff would trigger me. Even simple little things like listening to a rave music will have euphoric recall and remember, oh, it wasn't that great, oh, me had a knee. Yeah. Or I don't remember when I went home smoking heroin to come down at that age yeah. and then Mandy had fallen down and then there'd be more than a bit true new. Do you know what I was saying to me earlier on? She was just, I remember one day you come into the gaff, she said, I was fighting. Um, I was fighting because I wanted to use so I used to make an argument to get her to leave so I could use yeah. then I'd ring her and say come back get me something in the shop real like as if nothing happened and that day she actually threw me out of the house so what are you doing when he's got me bags and ran in to have a little garden shed so I hide it in the shed yeah. 
And she was saying to me, I said, you're fucking mental. I said, what are you doing in the shed? I said, come on, I'll give you a lift to bus stop. I said, right, so I stormed out my bag, but I never wanted to leave her, but it's being pushed, the drugs were pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. The power, powerlessness? Oh, we used against me will, we used to be, I'd be buying heroin and be smoking, and I didn't want to be down to what I'm saying, well, I'm at the buying mm. Pure powerless, using against me will. Yeah. Most of the time. So, for anybody contemplating treatment, would you say Smarmor had a huge impact on your recovery um, and, and your life? It sounds like your life too. Smarmor, I've been to two different treatment centres before. I was in Kundara, um, I was fairly young and naive. Mm. You weren't ready, were you? I wasn't ready. Yeah. I remember listening to a man my age and he was telling me all the stuff that I'll end up doing. Yeah. And he was saying, these are all not yet, you know, homeless, not yet. You'll see one of them, not yet. You'll end up using more and more, not yet. And everything that man said came true. Yeah. And more. Like my old man. My yeah. used to always say to me, you keep going the way you're going, you'll end up there. Yeah. And I used to say, no, I won't. But I did. I always ended up in them places, you know. Yeah. And yeah. then wondering how I got here again. Yeah. And I washed up in the lantern in 2012. Done a six-week de- six um, detox for six weeks where I grew out. I was going to a fellowship and I had no goals to me. Yeah. I had no aspiration, I had no belief in myself. The work wasn't done. Like the work was outside done, out work, like the new tracks, the new haircut, that was all done. Yeah. But the inside work was still running. Yeah. I got out, um, got the 90 days, 94th day, celebrated, gave on a breakfast roll, down yeah. to the beach, back on it. Yeah. So um, I knew when I was going into Smarm all that, it's, like, it's not what I'm on the outside what people say it's the work that I have to do on the inside the self esteem the self respect accepting that where I am accept who I am yeah. and that the drugs are just a, a mask a behaviour yeah just to do all that inside work yeah. sounds like you had a really good experience down there amazing yeah. I would recommend Marmot to anybody yeah I know it's probably not accessible to everybody with the funding but if people could, could just get a taste, man, it's a beautiful place. Like I'm living, I was living in a castle, like I was around all these um, professionals that paid money to green, and I was the only lad there. And I wasn't sure about it, I said, I'm the only lad here, I don't walk, I've walked in 20 years. Yeah. I'm unemployed, I got through here through the HSE, at the drug task force paid for me. And they're like, very stigmatised, because I was from Ballymun, like I had people coming in and saying, oh, you're from Ballymun, they're very sorry about that. And I'm saying, what are you sorry for, what are you sorry for? Yeah. I love Ballymun yeah. I fucking love it there's more recovery in Ballymun than there is in Black Rock anywhere else yeah. so I love Ballymun I love the recovery the amount of recovery assets we have yeah. we have so many different places we have Breuer Star Yap we have the Drug Task Force over there we have yep, immense things and we look in the outskirts then you have St. Calvary Fast yeah. we have a lot of stuff yeah. If people could just get access to this and just see, like drugs will always be there, but just have a look, see yeah. the light recovery, give yourself a few weeks, a few months. I know a few people that have come in very, I come in very skeptical, yeah. thinking this is not going to work for me. I'm a heroin addict, I, don't, I won't get this. And when I went into Smarmore, they gave me, and the therapists in there are amazing. Even the staff, the kitchen staff members, like everyone's really pleasant. Yeah, No one looks at you any differently what you're doing or how you're doing it. It's yeah. just a support. So that reflects then on the participants where there's 30 of us and like 
there's a lot of people coming and going all the time, so you're getting used to people and they're going. People relapsing, obviously. Um, I was in there with a lad, fairly famous lad, and he relapsed on you. He died because he wasn't able to do the inside work. Yeah. Um, so that was sad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, there's loads of stories like that where people treatment didn't work for them, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, but but your living proof that treatment does work, and there's so many people, as you talked about in the Ballymun community, that treatment does work, and yeah. that it's worth giving yourself that option to see, can I can I achieve this? Do you know what I mean? Give yourself a break, you know. I'd say to anyone, give yourself a year or two. We <coughs> can take a while to tour out. Um, when I come out, my arm, I expected everything to be just rosy yeah. but it wasn't no. um, struggle struggles came along um, suicide it was either use or kill yourself and it was did money use to all of a sudden I'm on top of bleeding M50 bridge trying to climb over and I did thank god I didn't do it it was raining that night and I couldn't get home and get my leg over um, then I come back from aftercare that Tuesday and I drove by at the same intersection on the M50, uh, some girl jumped off. It was like a moment of clarity saying, you're here for a reason. Yeah. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm here for a reason. Yeah. But you're going to explore that, aren't you? Oh, I'm definitely going to look into it. Yeah. Do more education around addiction, probably work in the family support part of it or something. Because yeah. I know how families are affected. So the kids the kids are reacting nicely to how I've come out and how I'm more calm and yeah. not losing the head and actually being there. Yeah. Actually, being a father, come out, come out with my and all of a sudden I have two grown kids that are working, one going to college, one's a supervisor in a job, another lad that's in third year, and another kid that's in second year. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. What do I do? I no want, drug to help you, sure. No drug to help me, Jimmy. And then when they answered me back, we bit me tongue. Sometimes I reacted the old way because it's just it's a new way for me. Yeah. But I'm getting used to it. Yeah. Two yesterday, <coughs> I made dinner for the whole family. Well done. Like, and that's something, something small to people. But for me, self-centered person that would just take drugs to fill his own hole, yeah. to make dinner and to clean around the house and do a bit of hoovering and all. It's they're big to me, girlfriend. They're rewarding in ways that you'll never, you, you'll, people probably might never know. You know. No, I'm more happier walking around when I do something nice for my girlfriend. Mm. I have no money in my pocket. I haven't got much bank account. I have a credit union account. But I'm happy at what I'm doing with my CA, my day programme. I'm finished uh, there in two months. So then I'll be looking at the work and kicking out there into real life. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of any more, Jim. Um, I'm looking forward to Looking yeah. forward to getting out and earning real money. Yeah, that's good. Going on holidays. I was on a holiday last year in Portugal at a big convention. Yeah. It was amazing. I um, think 2,000 people not a drug or a drinking suit or a pill party mm. best thing I've ever done and it's great because as I said at the start I know you since we're kids we played football together yeah, yeah. and then to have you back on the football pitch when you got out of Smarmore yeah. it was great uh, doing a, a full 360 from you know back in the day when we were kids to when yeah. now in your first job you're using and you're kind of getting back involved and all that social yeah. element of stuff how has that been for you you know, engaging back in the community socially. I just feel jump. I jumped in straight away, Jimmy. And I'm asked to do around recovery. I'll do it. I'm due to do a recovery dance with a lot of ladies. Um, Friday night, I'm practicing later on, and I refuse nothing. 
Yeah. Refused and I was asked to do an interview by Katrina there the other day. Some lady didn't show up, so she said, will you do it? I said, of course I will. Yeah. Of course I will. And, and that's good for me. And that'll push me on my comfort zone. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. So I can't keep sitting back and expecting that I'm going to grow and I'm going to be a great fellow with this. Oh, I don't push myself. The biggest thing for me is my action. Yeah. Last night I went to, the, to a meeting, the pissings around. My only people say, and even a few people are saying, take the night off, relax, you're doing the meeting every night of the week. Not at the moment. Yeah. I need to keep going with this. Because yeah. when I was using, I kept going every day of the week, yeah. three, four times a day. So what's one meeting a day? Yeah. It's not much. Yeah, you're, you're water, aren't you? It gives yeah. yourself water, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, my self-esteem is building. I'm starting to dress nice. I'm starting to wash myself while I'm in the gym now, three days a week, doing strength and conditioning. Mm. If you had a time with that six months, I would have laughed. Yeah, of course, yeah. I would have laughed like paying for a gym membership. I do it because I like it. Yeah. It makes me feel better about me. The more you put into yourself, the more you get out, isn't it? Yeah. And it's yeah. in this... It's like a little self-esteem bank. Yeah. I mean, everything I do... Opening the door, opening the door for someone, something small. They're all building myself, seeing me confidence back into. Yeah. You're a nice fella. You do deserve this. So keep going, man. Yeah. And you are a nice fella, and you do deserve it. And I'm so happy for you that you have got it, and that you're still progressing in your recovery. Um, I'd just like to thank you again for coming in and sharing your experience of Smarmo. We're going to put this up with key uh, Cassidy's of Smarmo's on Sunday, uh, on Wednesday, sorry, and put it out. So I hope the listeners get the practitioner experience of Smarmore Castle and then the individual who was a participant. Um, really thanks a lot for coming in again today, Wayne. Um, if you've anything you'd like to add to anybody or say anything to anybody in recovery now, feel free. No, I think Smarmore Castle is a beautiful place. It's, annoyed. it's something like you have a storybook castle. You're living in a castle. People are feeding you um, and they look after you. Mm-hmm. The nurses are great. Like Every single staff member there is there for you. And anyone out there listening to this and thinks that they can't re- get recovery, I was one of those people listening to podcasts last year and the year before, and just hoping, just one percent of me was thinking I'd care. The other ninety nine was shooting me out, but just be open, give yourself a break, go up and see what happens. Um, the miracle does happen in Ballymun. I've seen it. Many people have seen it. You, Jimmy, mm. I've seen it. And many people and the happiness we have. Yeah. I wouldn't give it away. Peace of mind, doesn't it? I wouldn't give it away to anybody. Yeah. But what I can give is my experience, and then if someone else kicks on that, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Wayne. I really appreciate it, and thanks very much. I'm sure people will get a lot out of uh, your story, and they will be able to identify with you. So thanks very much, Wayne. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy.